Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I'll be doing my player spotlight for Black History Month, and the first player will be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So we'll cover his high school days, his early days, of course, his time at UCLA, as well as his early years in the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we are in the month of February, which means Black History Month. So as promised, I'm going to bring to you four player spotlights this month in honor of Black History Month, of course. And the first player I'm talk about, one of the most decorated, accomplished basketball players to ever live. I'm talking about seven foot two, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Well, at one time he was uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and it's apropos because pretty soon it looks like LeBron is going to break his scoring record. So, yeah, so um, important that we. You know, talk about these legends of the game. So, and Kareem was that. He was an absolute legend from high school to college to the pros. And so much he did off the court as well. We'll talk about that as well. So, let's get into it, shall we? So, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was born Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor Jr., that was his birth name, and he was called, for short, Lou Alcindor. So, so Lou Alcindor, that's the name he started out with. So, we'll, we'll go by that name until the transition comes. How about that? How about we do that? So, all right. So, Lou was born April 16, 1947, and his parents of Trinidad and Tobagan descent. Um, his mother, Cora Lillian, she was a price checker and also a seamstress. And she had a love for sports. In fact, her and Lou would watch uh, the baseball games together. That was his passion. Uh, baseball was, at least. And then his father, his father... Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor Sr., of course. He was a transit police officer, and he was also a jazz musician. So he loved this jazz and so forth, and we'll hear about that as we go along. So, His parents moved from Trinidad and Tobago to the U.S., and it was here in the U.S. where Lou Alcindor was born. He was born in Harlem. Harlem in uh, New York City, so the upper Manhattan part of Manhattan, obviously, uh, Harlem, Harlem, New York. So he grew up in the Dykeman Street housing projects in Inwood. Inwood is a section of Manhattan that's even further up from Harlem, so uh, Inwood is so. He was always a tall child coming up. 
at the age of nine years old, he was five foot eight. And then about four or five years later, he's six foot eight. So, and he was always trying to reconcile his height. In other words, why is he growing so tall? And of course, with that comes the ridicule, the questions, you know, uh, how's the weather up there? And just teasing and gawking at him. People would do that. So, um, he was a baseball fan, as I mentioned. He started out loving baseball, but as he continued to grow, he started to turn his attention to basketball. He first started playing with the CYO teams. That's the Catholic Youth Organization. So, And there is where he began honing his skills as a basketball player. And with his dad, he would, they would go to jazz clubs together and... <laughs> Given that, you know, at the age of 13 and 14, he was like uh, six foot eight. So uh, his dad was able to take him to these clubs and not too much, uh, you know, back in these days, they weren't exactly carding people, you know, how they do these days with checking ID cards. He was six foot eight. So it was just assumed that he was of age. So so his dad would take him to the jazz clubs. He used to meet all the jazz greats. One time he met Art Blakely, uh, who had the uh, group. The He was the founder of the Jazz Messengers. He was a drummer for them. So, yeah, so he met Art Blakely, met Duke Ellington, and many others as well. So, uh, Lou ends up attending Power Memorial Academy. This was a Catholic school in Harlem, once again in Harlem. So he was still in Harlem area, but going to high school there. And the basketball teams was team was coached by Jack Donahue. So and Lou began to receive national attention after appearing on the Ed Sullivan show as a high school sophomore. So already he his name started to get out there, the name of Lou Alcindor. His teams would go 95 and 6 during his four years there. They won three Catholic championships, and at one time his team had a 71 game winning streak. So, so early on, Lou uh, comes, winning comes easy to Lou and his teams. So, he had a close relationship with Coach Donahue until during his senior year when uh, Coach, uh, Coach Donahue used the N-word to describe his play during one of his games. He basically said to him, you know, um, he, it seemed like he was kind of loafing out there supposedly. And then that's when Donahue said, uh, hey, step your game up because you're playing like a end. So, um, so that kind of soured their relationship after that. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Lou persevered, of course. As a senior, he became one of the most sought-after and celebrated college recruits ever. In fact, 
he ended he he ended up his four years with the uh, New York City scoring record, and he scored uh, over two thousand points as a high school ball player. So, so as the the colleges came hot and heavy after him, all colleges and universities from across the country. He, in fact, refused to go to any school that was in the South. Now, now you got to think this is like the late 60s that he'll be in in the uh, South there. And he didn't want any dealings with that kind of racial strife, especially, you know, with him there playing basketball, concentrating on his grades and so forth. So he wanted no parts of that. <clears throat> And also, initially, many critics, believe it or not, he had critics back then, felt that he wouldn't he wouldn't be much of a sinner. Um, he was too finesse. That that was their criticism of him. They said um, he probably wouldn't be able to take the pounding so forth. So, because you know, he was he was tall, but he was lanky. So. Um, they think he'll be uh, have any success as a center. Lo and behold, how wrong they were. So, so in visiting colleges, he visited UCLA and he enjoyed the California atmosphere. And he also liked uh, Coach John Wooden's humble and reserved demeanor. It pretty much reminded him of his father. That kind of, you know, just. Um, soft spoken, but you know when they spoke, it was it was powerful. So that that's that was Coach Wooden's effect on him um, early on. That's what he took from it, as well as Coach Wooden's focus on winning as a team. So all that correlated for uh, for Lou. So and also he received a letter. From Jackie Robinson, a UCLA alum and his baseball idol, who pretty much encouraged him um, in the letter uh, to attend UCLA, where, you know, academics is, of course, important, as well as your athletics. So, uh, so academics and athletics, so... So pretty much with that, with the emphasis on winning and academics, which piqued interest, um, which piqued Lou's interest, he chose UCLA. So, so all of that pretty much sold, um, pretty much sold him on UCLA. So UCLA is where he attended. Now, due to collegiate rules at the time. He couldn't play on the varsity teams as a freshman. That was pretty much the rule throughout um, college. Um, took some years for that to change. So, so he made his first ever appearance with the freshman team, actually, which included Lucius Allen, Lynn Shackelford, and Kenny Heights. And in a freshman uh, varsity ex exhibition game, the freshman actually beat the two-time NCAA champs 
in a exhibition game, 75 to 60. And in that game, Lou Alcindor, he just scored 31 points and had pulled down 20, 21 rebounds. So, so already out the gate, Lou Alcindor's making making it known. There's a there's a new sheriff in town, basically. So, and then the news writers in that area called the NC the UCLA's varsity team the second best team in town. <laughs> of course, uh, poking fun at the fact that the freshman team beat them. So, so Lou's freshman team they went twenty one and zero for the season, and he averaged. 33 over 33 points per game and 21 and a half rebounds in those 21 games. So already Alcindor is making an impact even on the freshman team. So he made his official debut as a sophomore and under the national spotlight in his first game. In his first game, guys, he scores 56 points, thus breaking Gail Goodrich's Goodrich record of 42 points. So right out the gate, he makes an impression. Uh, Lou Alcindor does. So he finished his sophomore year 30 and 0. Won championship that they won against Dayton. Um, Dayton and uh, their star player there was Don May. And in that game, Kareem scored. 20 points along with 18 rebounds. He shot at us uh, 66.7% from the field in that game. And the uh, he also got the NCAA's most outstanding player for the tournament. So his average for that season was 29 points and 15 and a half rebounds. So, so Alcindor's college career is off to a rousing start. In fact, if you combine the first two years, he's 51 and 0. So, uh, outstanding start. For someone, remember he had the all the glare, all the spotlight is on him. So, for him to accomplish that, that's really something. So, that says a lot. So, the following season. The NCAA outlawed the dunk shot, a a rule which they rescinded 10 years later. But so they outlawed the dunk shot, you know, in light of the fact that, you know, Alcindor came in there and he was dominating. So I guess to slow him down a bit, they installed this rule in place. But (laughs) that only helped in developing his patented highest uh, skyhook under the tutelage of Coach Wooden. So, so what you tried to take away from him, you actually helped his game because he developed other aspects of his game. So, um, so there you go with that. Also, let it be noted that in the spring of 1967, while he was a student at UCLA, 
He was part of that great summit of athletes who supported Muhammad Ali's boycott of the Summer Olympics, which was to take place in 1968. So in 1967, the great summit, we all know about it. Uh, there was uh, football player Jim Brown also there. The legendary Bill Russell, he was in tow as well. Um, many other athletes there. So uh, Lou Alcindor already uh, out there for, you know, taking a stand for social social justice. So uh, something he learned very early on, actually, while he was at Power Memorial, he was part of a program where they developed you you know young black leaders so he was part of that program so you know he carries all this with him to UCLA so you see it here as he goes there and represent for Muhammad Ali so so his junior year his junior year he goes 29 and 1 and the one loss came in what was deemed the game of the century versus the Houston Cougars, University of Houston. And that game was played at the Astrodome in January, on January 20th, 1968. And with an attendance of over 52,000 people in attendance there to watch that game. And to watch... To watch them lose 71 to 69 now in that game uh they were led by elvin hayes elvin hayes was a terror back in his college days i'll do a player spotlight him on him in the near future but he had 39 points and 15 rebounds lou alcinder only had 15 points and what happened was Prior to this game, about a week week before, he had he suffered a scratch cornea. Um, he, his eye eyeball got scratched, and that happened January twelfth uh, versus Cal. So, so uh, he actually missed two games before playing in that game of the century. So. Um, so, like I said, he scores 15 points in the game. Um, pretty good considering the conditions, you know, he was dealing with at the time. So, and that loss really stuck with Alcindor. So much so that he promised if they were to have a rematch with them, he would be ready for it. So, so, um, but, oh, let me give you his numbers for the season. Uh, 26.2 points per game, along with 16 and a half rebounds, and he shot at 61.3% from the field on the year. So, and going into the NCAA tournament, once again they come they come out victorious, and they actually was able to avenge the loss to Houston. In the final four, where they just ran them off the floor, guys. 101 to 69. In that game, Lou Alcindor, 
uh, 19 points and 18 rebounds. So he was able to redeem himself on that day. Uh, and the team gets to win. And then from from that final four, they win the championship. So, uh, And they actually beat Charlie Scott's North Carolina Tar Heels. And they won that game 78-55, to where Lou Alcindor scored 34 points and 16 rebounds. And he shot at a, a, over a whopping 71% from the field in that game. So, so, so Alcindor gets his revenge, and he gets his championship. So, this championship number two, guys. So... We have the next season and then a few things that take place. In spring of 1968, uh, in around April, mid-April, um, he becomes one of the activists and organizers of the protests on UCLA's campus. And that was following the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. So... Um, so on the campus, he organized that uh, protest on the campus. So once again, his leadership skills that he developed in Power Memorial carries with him to UCLA. So, And then in summer of, of that same year, he converted from Catholicism to Sunni Islam. And he adopted the name Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, with the name, and it means the noble one, servant of the Almighty. So, so he has the name here. He doesn't fully use the name until a few years later in the NBA. We'll get to that. So, um, but also that summer, he boycotted the 1968 Summer Olympics in protests of the unequal treatment of african-americans in the u.s so he too like muhammad ali he protested the summer olympics and this is and he basically said he was trying to point out to the world the futility in winning the gold medal for this country and then coming back to live under oppression so um so fully aware of what's going on in his going on in the world he um he makes a stand so so he ends up staying the full four years and staying for the full four years he earned he earned a bachelor bachelor's of arts majoring in history so and also during his time at ucla he practiced martial arts um Aikido and Jeet Kune Do. Uh, he actually learned, well, he actually practiced Jeet Kune Do for four years under the famous Bruce Lee. So he went to that school that Bruce Lee formed when he was in California, and that's where he studied the martial arts there. So which I'll talk about that a little later. So his senior year on the court, 
He goes again, twenty nine and one. His sole loss is to UCLA, who actually held the ball. And this was prior to the shot clock, guys. So they held the ball, held the ball, limiting our sender to just 10 points on four shots. So they pretty much played keep away ball and ended up winning the game. Our sender's average, 24 points, 14.7 rebounds. And yet another championship. This time they beat Rick Mount and his Purdue Boilermakers. 92-72. to 72. Rick Mount was the prize player there. And in his last game as a collegiate, this is what he does. 37 points, 20 rebounds, 75% shooting from the field. He was 15-20 from the field, so... So, Lou Alcindor finishing his career on a strong high note there. So, so let's look at his career numbers with UCLA. He played in 88 of 90 games. He only missed the two games because of the scratch cornea. Three-time regular season um, champs of their division which was the Athletic Association of Western Universities. Three times he made it to the NCAA tournament. Three times he won the championship. So you're talking about sensational college career. So for his full time during the his run at UCLA, he goes 88 and two 88 and two so and if you include his freshman year it's even beyond that so uh but we'll talk just varsity for the moment so 88 and two he goes so in and then his um his career numbers let's look at that 26.4 points per game, 15 and a half rebounds, nearly 64% from the field. He has the most field goals in a season. No, no. I'm sorry. In a career. Oh, 943, that's tied with Don McLean. He has the most points in a season. Uh 870 the highest scoring average in the season 29 points per game most field goals in the season he's he's among the top three actually as a sophomore he had 346 as a senior 303 and then as a junior 294 most fouled uh, free throw attempts, 272. So he has that record. Most points scored in a game, 61. He had a 61-point game. And most field goals in a game, 26. So, so you talk about some outstanding numbers here. He's in the top 10 in just about every statistical category. 
he is second in rebounds to Bill Walton. So, um, so Bill Walton comes along, and also three years for him, and he pulls more rebounds. So, all right. So that is Lou Alcindor's college career. Coming out of college, he was offered $1 million by the Harlem Globetrotters, but he turned that down to enter the 1969 NBA draft. And then his entering the NBA comes right on the heels of Bill Russell retiring from, from playing and also Wilt Chamberlain Getting along in his years, he was still a force, though. Make no mistake about that. But he was nothing, nothing like the dominant figure of the '60s throughout the '60s, basically. So, so a coin flip for number one came down to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. But as we know. The toss was won by the Milwaukee Bucks. And as they say, the rest is history. Oh, by the way, the Bucks were in their second year of existence when they were awarded the top pick in the draft. So, so choosing number one, chosen number one by the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Lou Alcindor gets drafted. He was also drafted in the ABA. Because remember, they had the two leagues going at the same time, both the NBA and the ABA. And he was taken number one by the New York Nets. So can you imagine he chose the ABA over the NBA? It'd be a whole different history written. In fact, the New York Nets thought that he ch uh, he would choose playing for them since, you know, he's from New York. So that would be just fitting for him. Um, but he rejected the, the New York Nets' initial offer. Uh, he thought it was uh, very low. And he went instead for Milwaukee's offer of $1.4 which, you know, at the time was considered a lot. And then the thing was the New York Nets, they come back with a three point twenty five million dollar offer, uh guaranteed by the way, and Lou Alcindor declines that. So so um and his he actually gave his thoughts on um what took place. And here's what he said. A bidding war degrades the people involved. It would make me feel like a flesh peddler. And I don't want to think like that. So, <clears throat> so Alcindor um, pretty much didn't like the idea of that. So, he just went with uh, the, the basketball team that drafted him from the NBA. Which is the Bucks. So, Alright, so... So he enters the NBA. His impact as a rookie was immediate. In fact, um, in his, 
he had a uh, game as a rookie, 51 points against these Seattle Supersonics, along with 18 rebounds as well. No, no, that was in playoffs, I'm sorry. So, uh, let's talk about their record. Under Coach Larry Costello, the team in his first year went from 27 and 55 to 56 and 26. So, so needless to say, immediate impact. They were second place in the Eastern Division. And this is what he did. 28.8 points per game. That was second in the league. He played in all 82 games. He shot at 51.8% from the field. 65.3% from free throw line. Uh, he grabbed 14 and a half rebounds. That was third in the league. And he was named all NBA second team. So right from the start, impact. Oh, by the way, he um, when he played in the playoffs, he had a average of 18 points and 25 rebounds. And he's the second player since since uh, Wilt Chamberlain to have that kind of average in the playoffs. Oh, as a rookie, by the way, he gets rookie of the year as well. So, so already his career off to a rousing start. In his second year, the Milwaukee Bucks traded for Oscar Robinson. Their feeling was, yeah, we're going to need to pair him with somebody and um, see what he can do there. So, so in that second season, they go 66-16, and 16, including winning 20 straight games. They end up first in the Midwest, so... They realigned the divisions that year, so now the Milwaukee Bucks are in the Midwest. And they finish first. And they end up winning their first championship. So already I'll send the second season NBA championship. And they do that by sweeping the Baltimore Bullets. He's named the finals MVP where he averaged 27 points, 18 and a half rebounds, uh, over 60% from the field he shot, as well as 76% from the free throw line. So, talk about coming through in the clutch. So, And this is what he did for the season. Uh, 31.7 points. That led the NBA. 16 rebounds. That was fourth in the league. 57.7% uh, from the field. That was second in the league. He wins his first MVP of the league. Plays in all 82 games. And he's named all NBA first team. Oh, by the way, and he made the most uh, field goals with 163. So... So, so already off to an outstanding start. In the summer of 1971, him, Oscar Robinson, and Coach Larry Costello embarked on a three-week tour 
of Africa that uh, was sanctioned by the State Department. And in a press conference, uh, that's where he announced his full conversion to Islam and officially changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, so he took the international stage to make this announcement. So, of course, there were major questions from the media, from those close to him, about um, his conversion to Islam. So, but he's held held to it and that's what resulted from it so from here on in he's known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar so following his championship season he continued to dominate the league uh, his team went 63 and 19 that was first in the Midwest and but they did lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals four games to two uh, the mighty Lakers, who at the time had Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Gail Goodridge, Jim McMillan, and a guy on their bench, you might have heard of him, named Pat Riley. Um, instrumental, as we'll talk about later. So. so, Kareem, what he does for his third season? Oh, he just scores a career high 34.8 points per game first in the league so back to back he leads the league in scoring 16.3 no 16.6 rebounds that's third in the league uh 57.4 percent from the field that's second in the league and he also dishes out 4.6 assists so and he was first in field goals made with 100 well 1151 so, he was named All-NBA First Team. And, and here's what those had to say about him. Not with the brute force of a Wilt Chamberlain or Willis Reed. He was more finesse and skill. So, that was the prevailing thought on Kareem at the time. So, in 1972-73... His team goes 60-22, and 22, first in the Midwest. They would lose in the Western Conference semifinals to the Golden State Warriors, four games to two. And the, the, that Warriors team had the likes of Rick Barry, Nate Thurman, Cassie Russell, and Jeff Mullins. So, uh, some mighty teams back there then, guys. Here's what he did on the season. 30.2 points per game. That was second to Tiny Archibald. Um, over 16 rebounds. That was fourth in the league. 55.4% from the field. That was third in the league. He was NBA uh, first team. But the MVP that year actually went to David Cowens of Boston. So, and he was actually named all NBA second team. So so check this out. Kareem uh, named all NBA first team, but yet he lost the MVP uh, lost the MVP to Dave Cowens who was a center who but on the all NBA second team. I thought that was pretty interesting. So 
Then 1973-74 season, he, which is uh, which ends up being Oscar's final season there with the Bucks. 59 and 23 they go, also first in the Midwest division. They lost in the NBA Finals though, and they actually had the home court advantage. Um, and they lost that to the Boston Celtics, four games to three. Um, they lost to Boston, who had Dave Cowens at the time, as well as John Havlicek, JoJo White, and Paul Silas. So, um, so they lost to those Celtics. Here's what he did on the season: 27 points per game. That was third in the league, third to Bob McAdoo and Pete Maravich. Uh, he was first in field goals made with 948. Uh, 14 and a half rebounds. That was fourth in the league. Nearly 57, 54% from the field. Uh, that was second to McAdoo. So, and. This was the first year where they were they recorded steals and blocks, guys. So Kareem would average three and a half blocks per game. That was second in the league behind Elmore Smith. So he does win his third MVP, so and he is named all NBA first team. So already out the gate, guys. He already has Five seasons under his belt, and he has three MVPs. So, uh, an outstanding start indeed. Following Oscar's retirement after not be, uh, agreeing to resign with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Kareem would privately ask for a trade. He was pretty much happy with the. Midwest lifestyle not fitting his new spiritual and cultural lifestyle. So, um, and he wanted a trade to either the Knicks, the Washington Bullets, or the Los Angeles Lakers. So, so those were the te three teams he was looking at. Then comes the preseason of. 1974-75. He suffered yet another cornea scratch. So his eyeball gets scratched again. This time it was against Boston. Um, and actually Don Nelson was the person to uh, who did it. And this angered him so much. That he punched the backboard stand. And broke a couple of bones in his hands. So. Uh, so Kareem upset about once again getting his uh, cornea scratched and he ends up missing the first 16 games of the season of the 1974-75 season. So, and in those 16 games, the team goes 3-13. and 13, So obviously missing their star player, uh, that's for sure. He makes his season debut November 23rd, 1974, 
donning goggles to protect his eyes, which he does for the very first time. So his team, uh, with him coming back there, his um, they went 35 and 31, but overall they were 38 and 44. And they were last in the Midwest Division. So this is Kareem's first year where his team finished under 500. So, um, you know, we can attribute that to his missing the first few games, of course, putting them in a hole. So, um, so there's that. For the season, he averaged 30 points per game. Uh, which was third in the league, 14 rebounds. That was fifth in the league and 51.3%, which was fourth in the league. He did, um, he was named to the all defensive team. So he made that. So, and then in March of 1975, within that season, Marv Albert, a play-by-play man for the, New York Knicks leaked the trade request that he made, but this time he has narrowed it down to either the Knicks or the Los Angeles Lakers. A day later, Kareem would confirm what Marv put out there following a loss, ironically enough, to the Lakers, 105-104, to in a game that he scored 29 points, 17 rebounds, and 5 Block shots. So, and then in that off season, following the 1974-75 season, he was indeed traded. At the time, the GM was uh, Wayne Embry. He trades Kareem to to the Lakers along with backup center Walt Wesley in exchange for center. Elmore Smith, guard Brian Winters, a couple of rookies, Junior Bridgman and Dave Myers, along with Cash. So, so Kareem gets his wish, and he goes out west. So, to the Lakers. So, guys, I'm going to cut it off here. Um, so, what we'll have left is his years with the Lakers. And then we'll talk post-basketball career, all the accomplishments, all the accolades, and so forth. So so I'm going to cut it off here, guys. And then in the next episode, we will continue our spotlight on the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So once again, guys, I invite you, if you listen on the website, please leave a review there. If you're on my YouTube page... Leave uh, your comments there as well. So, um, guys, I will be back with you to bring you the rest of my player spotlight on the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, until then, take care, guys, and we'll talk soon.